When productivity meets party with your girl, Party Perry, are you ready to turn, 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 turn up your happiness, turn up your success, and everything in between? Learn how to have fun while getting all your stuff done. Grab the word solo cup and a pen because we are about to party. What is up, Party Squad? How are you doing today? Welcome to another episode of Productivity Meets Party with your girl, Party Perry, or you can just call me Perry. Hope you are having a fantastic day so far and you're gonna kill your week, crushing your goals. I'm so excited to be with you today. All right, serious question, Party Squad. Have you ever thought about starting your own clothing line? Especially like in festival, rave scene, and you just like, I have no idea what to do, how to start. So today, this episode is for you if you are looking to start a clothing brand, especially in the EDM festival space. I am here with co-founder of Freedom Rave Wear, Mike Hodgen, and today we do a deep dive into starting a festival fashion clothing line. What... um the journey is as an entrepreneur and how he went to literally in a trailer space to a full-on warehouse. What it's like hiring people and running a team and being a leader and what it's like running a sustainable business. So I'm super excited to have Mike on the podcast today. I'm an ambassador for them. If you go to the show notes, the description box, there will be a link for 10% off your new look from them. They are amazing. They just dropped a great collection for Lost Lands, wearing base heads at their Toxic collection, and you can do a pre-order for that but I'm also their social media coach and every single Wednesday I go live on their Instagram page Freedom Raver at 6 30 p.m pacific standard time just dropping some tips for you like making sure that you're loving up your Instagram that you're getting your followers your engagement's good answering any questions next week I don't have a script it's a Q&A session so if you go to my Instagram right now there will be a Q&A box for you guys to drop any questions about content creation, about engagement, getting paid brand deals, how to be ambassador, questions about doing like takeovers, anything that you have like your dying like desires that you need to know about Instagram, I got you. I'll be answering the questions this Wednesday on Freedom Raver's Instagram page, but go to Party Perry and drop the question drop the question actually i'll have it on both so my personal party perry in the instagram productivity perry there will be a little question ask me anything box for content creation but i'm super excited to have mike on the podcast and thank you mike and Alyssa, for giving me the opportunity to be the social media coach for you guys it's like a dream of mine so thank you thank you thank you before we get in the episode i want to share my listener of the week Every single week, I do a listener of the week just to show my appreciation for you guys. I truly just love the party squad so much, and it means the world to me. This month, well, 
not really you have until like august 16th to leave a review on the podcast to be entered for a 50 dollar gift card on amazon 50 dollar gift card from amazon we're doing a back to school sale what is good so if you're a college student leave a review if you got kids leave a review because i got something for you let's go so that is the giveaway um you have until in till let me double check my calendar for you guys let me be precise yes august 13th is the last day for you guys to leave a review on the podcast and the following monday the 16th i will announce the winner so the listener of the week is jess aka living by the f word she says insightful tips for living your best life I've been binging listening to Perry's podcast. The topics she focuses on are really useful to stay on track with your goals and personal habits. Talking about finances was something I didn't expect, but is so important. I really love the party foul segment because it teaches us that we can learn something from all situations in our life and improve from them. Can't wait to hear from her and her guests. Thank you, Jess, for leaving a review. It means the world to me and I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you love the party foul um, segment. That's well, That was actually Doug's idea. So shout out to Doug Wubbs, my boo. He was like, you should do like the see a chug, send a chug and party foul. So we'll just get right into it. So my see a chug, send a chug moment this week is being so ahead in the podcast, guys. Like it's literally crazy. I have all my podcasts lined up into mid-September, all recorded, all pretty much done. I just need to do the intro and outro for them. So yes, I'm super excited. Most of them are guests. Um, pretty much next week, I am going to do an episode about the updates on Instagram, and then we're going to have literally guests until the end of September. So super excited for that. I didn't expect this to be a guest like podcast, but I'm super honored that people want to be in my podcast and you guys have been really loving all the guests. So thank you all the guests for coming on and all the listeners, all of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. My party foul moment of the week. I would have to say um, I wasn't consistent on Instagram and you might be like, okay, sis, like, <laughs> but being a content creator and wanting to grow on Instagram, you need to be consistent. Consistency is the easiest, but hardest thing that you could do to grow your platform. So just being more consistent. I think last week I only posted twice and my goal was to post at least four times a week five would be literally perfect but next week we're gonna be more consistent on the gram all right so let's get into the episode thank you again mike for coming on i truly appreciate you and all your wisdom that you have shared with me so far so let's roll the tape i am here with a very special guest today one of the owner of Freedom Ravewear, which is one of my favorite companies. Alyssa is here in spirit, so I'm super excited to see her and really get to know her one day. But I'm here with Mike, one of the co-finders of Freedom Ravewear. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you very much, Perry. Happy to be here. And uh, Alyssa sends her best. She is spending her last evening with, um, I guess it's my sister-in-law now, but with her uh, little sister uh, before she goes back to college for her senior year. So they're doing a little family stuff, but I'm going to channel all of Alyssa's creative <laughs> energy into this conversation. So it's like she's here anyway. 
Yes, for sure. I just want to get started, but um, tell the audience who you are, what you do, and where you're from, where you guys located. Nice. So, well, yeah, I mean, my name is Michael Hodgen. I am the co-founder of Freedom Raveware, and we are located in San Diego, California. Started the business with Alyssa, who was my girlfriend at the time, although loosely she was my girlfriend because I was still kind of like trying to solidify that. And over the last seven years and um, work to now we are husband and wife. So it's a husband and wife team, but we've been running the business together since we were dating, which in retrospect, like thinking about that's pretty serious. You'd be like, hey, we're like not really on like the best terms, but let's start a business together. And uh, it worked out. So we didn't think about the negatives. We just went for it. Um, yeah, but Freedom Raveware is an apparel manufacturing brand, and we you know, make clothes for people to go to parties and music festivals and just want to have a good time and express themselves. So uh, it's just been like a really awesome journey the last seven years. Nice. That's cool. I love that you guys are like not really official and you're like, let's just do this company together. Let's go. Yeah, I don't know why we did that. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's like if I think about it, I think. Uh, it's probably just because of the music festivals. Like it's just because of the scene where you feel that much love. And um, yeah, that's the part that's inspirational. You know, I think that's what brought about the company is I loved going to music festivals with Alyssa and we loved the people, we loved the fashion and we dove right in. Um, it was at our second music festival ever that we started the company. So we were sitting on the hill at Nocturnal Wonderland in 2014 and said, like, we looked at each other. This is after a lot of people had, you know, asked about um, our outfits that Alyssa had just made some and, you know, glued some things together. So it wasn't like a crazy outfit, but the community is just like fun and supportive. And um, little did those people know that <laughs> them saying nice job on the outfit, we would go and sit on the hill and look at each other and be like, let's start a company. So that's what happened. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been great to be a part of the community ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. That was one of my questions, what inspired you guys to start it? So Nocturnal 2014 on the hill. Yeah, I guess it would be the because you know i think music brings everyone together in the space that For sure. uh, you know I, I don't know a lot of people that go to the festivals just to be at the festival there are some people like that where i've noticed that they don't really care who's playing where or what they just like going and hanging out and that's cool but for me it was the music brought me in like that was a space where i could like just feel connected to something. And I think, at, you know, I was just out of college. So at 23, it's, you know, you're just trying to find some purpose and meaning. And that always felt like home. Then being with Alyssa and seeing that she had some talent making stuff and other people were recognizing it. I just, I just felt strongly that we could build a brand that would be successful in the space. And I could dodge corporate America in the process. <laughs> nice. I love that for sure. Leaving, you know, did you ever start your corporate job or did you go straight into I have never had a real job that pays more than $11 an hour or something like that. You know, I had worked tons of, uh, I worked tons of part-time jobs, you know, did tutoring and soccer coaching and all sorts of stuff, just trying to make ends meet. But I moved to San Diego originally. It, I like signed a lease with a friend and didn't have any income and was like, all right, I've got 30 days to come up with. It was, it was like two grand a month at that point. So a thousand bucks. I was like, all right, I got 30 days to come up with a thousand bucks. I just went around and uh, 
<laughs> I went around and just knocked on all the, the biggest houses in La Jolla um, and asked if they had kids that wanted to get tutored in anything. And, and then they would, oh. they would tell me, you know, like, you know, most people were, were open to the idea. And then I would study up on the topics for the kids and do my best to teach them history and calculus and biology or physics, whatever it was, just to, just to scrape by. So I think if festivals hadn't been, if that opportunity hadn't presented itself, I think I probably would have gone into the realm of like tutoring or trying to create a network, like a tutoring network or something. Mm. But, wow, yeah. that's crazy. I had no idea. I'm excited. We're going to, I'm going to learn a lot about you. Cool. Good. Okay. Good, good. Good. Happy to share. <laughs> um, yeah. Just uh, cut me off if I can't boy. <laughs> no, no, you're good. So I'm super into mission statements. I actually have my own personal mission statement. So what is your mission statement that you guys have? So it's, it, the mission statement now is to revolutionize apparel manufacturing and make festival fashion more sustainable. That has changed. Um, it was a little bit different a couple years ago because we didn't have such a focus on the revolutionizing apparel part. We didn't have the technology that we do now in terms of our micro factory. So that's kind of narrowed the focus. And I think that's important for people to, to know. I mean, for us, our, our story is a little unique because we weren't we weren't we didn't create a business plan and say hey we're going to execute against this business plan we just were like we're going to figure it out so that means you have to allow for some adaptability on like why you're doing things and it's changed over it's changed over time but i think now we're we're super like crystal clear laser focused on exactly what we're doing as a brand and you know people see freedom ravewear but we also have never lost our mm -hmm. swim brand our sister brand and we also have Fabric Punch, which is our oh. sustainable manufacturing. Um, it is a print fabric printing business. And so we've... Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, all of those are growing. And yeah, we can get into those two later. But uh, I just think that's that's why now it's so focused on manufacturing. And um, I know we're really passionate about it. It's not, it's not easy to be like, let's figure out how to like make a bunch of products at scale and get it out fast and minimize mm -hmm. our footprint. It's, n it's not an easy thing to do, but it's rewarding and gives meaning. So I, I wake up pretty much happy every single day. Yeah, it's nice. Good. I know you said that you guys didn't really have a business plan or anything, but what would you think would be the first step if you are wanting to, cause I do, um, my business is all online. I don't sell products. So I guess what would be the first step to start a product based business? Um, let me say this. I think that when you start your business, you should at least have your values codified. It will help the decision-making process. And so, for example, with Freedom Rave, where it's expression, confidence, love, and community. And in that order, we attach a type of personal growth and development where individuals who are able to practice expression develop the ability to sustain confidence it's not fleeting confidence it's not confidence it's intermixed with moments of self-doubt and um you know i i guess an insecurity it's just can you sustain confidence and when you develop expression and you practice that you learn to be confident and as you learn to be confident and you start to see and trust yourself that hey like i can actually do this i can feel good i I have the skills needed to be able to make my dreams come true, then you work into self-love and that place where you can start to love who you are, what you're doing. That is like a type of so important now too, because there's so much 
misinformation and, you know, hate and just like, there's a lot of toxic environment. So if you can mm. build that, it's almost like building a, 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 a vaccine, I guess, for modern day, <laughs> modern day social media, but an antidote to the criticism and just know what your purpose is, then mm -hmm. you can focus on the fourth phase, which is what we're really doing a lot of now. Um, and that's community. You know, once you know where you are, that means you can start to like actively help and assist others. I think that, and this is just from my own personal perspective, I'm sure there's people that can do things differently, but for us, it's like, how are we applying this lens of expression, confidence, love, and community through the things that we do? So if we wanna revolutionize apparel manufacturing and make festival fashion more sustainable, how are we incorporating our core values through the decisions that we make? Mm -hmm. And I think that makes, that helps. So to answer your question, now that I've rattled on. <laughs> you're good, you're good. It, it means that if you already have an audience, it's a little bit easier because you can just do polls. You can start asking people what they want you to do. I would probably create some type of, you know, it, it depends what your, you need to understand what your strengths and your weaknesses are because it's, it's not, you know, it's a free, there's, there's a, it's a free market. You know, there's a lot of people who are, or there's lots of free markets, but there's a lot of people who are competing in spaces. So you don't want to put a bunch of effort into a space where you produce a product that is at one price point and there's other people who are already crushing it, serving their customers at half the price because you're not likely to be able to, it's not gonna be as easy to gain a following or build a brand if you're you know, already from the get-go priced out. Um, so I would identify the strengths and weaknesses that you have as an individual and then make a list of potential products or services that you can sell that would be um, complementary to your strengths I would try to avoid the weaknesses as much as possible or have other people help in those areas as soon as possible mm -hmm. and be really clear about what you are good and not good at and ask others too. Cause sometimes we can be, I mean, it's, it's a little Dunning-Kruger esque. You can, you can, you know, sort of be blissfully ignorant of the things that you are unaware of. And so mm -hmm. asking other experts and being like, Hey, this is sort of what I'm thinking. What do you think? Just getting that insight will be really helpful and starting to build the, the habit of asking your, uh, you know, potential, your, your audience or potential customers, what it is that they want, what is it that they need? And just you're in service of them. It's not really about anything else, except what is it that you guys want? So. Yes. I love that being in service for your customers and your clients and really giving what they need. It's not all about you. It's not what you think they need. It's really what they need for sure. I love that. I know that you guys did a lot of vendoring, vendoring, vendor experiences. So I want to know what was your um, favorite and your least favorite vendor experience? Wow. Yeah, that that takes me back. The The vendor experiences were, uh, the, we did over 50 music festivals in oh, wow. two, like just over two years. Um, we started by going to our first festival in Arizona and Alyssa was sewing, you know, she sewed everything for the first, you know, three years of the, of the business. So all of those festivals, Alyssa was the one sewing the products. Um, we would go to the shows and like her little Toyota Corolla was rusted out top and like just pack everything inside of it and just, you know, hope for the best. 
that very first show, I think we made like 900 bucks and we were just, we were so stoked. It was yeah. like, wow, we hit, we hit Peter, like, let's do it. So we like, we go back and like, we tell people and they're like, okay, cool. Like our, you know, parents think that we're just losing our minds and mm-hmm. we should like, put our, you know, put a degree to use and, yeah. you know. You're selling your clothes where? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, no, we're carny folk and it's cool. Like, I like it. And that's the thing is I really... So when you ask the question, what's your least favorite and favorite, like the favorite part was the whole journey. I mean, it's one of those things, like it was so challenging going from those, that small vendor booth experience of a 10 by 10 to, you know, eventually we bought a truck, <laughs> you know, it, was, it paid, yeah. paid, um, you know, paid like 50,000 bucks for a truck that uh, we had no business signing a loan for, you know, it's just like, yeah, we'll take it. And then just being committed to like, okay, well now we have a truck payment and the truck payment is really high. And like, we have to make this work and mm-hmm. we'd fill the back of the truck. And after the next couple of shows had enough money to then put a down payment for a trailer. And then we were literally touring the country in this 30 oh, foot wow. travel, 30 foot travel trailer, this uh, truck and just thinking about, okay, how can we scale the vendor experience? We want to be at all the shows all the time. And we got up to being able to do like three shows simultaneously, like on one weekend. So I think we were doing what? lights all night in Dallas at the same time we were doing uh, like a show in, in Washington and a show in LA. And it just, it gets really hard to do that without manufacturing set up you know Alyssa was sewing everything like mm-hmm. I'll say it again Alyssa was sewing everything for all of those shows for two and a half years when people think about what 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 does it take to build a brand um you know for us it was don't pay yourself anything extra and put all of it into the business and don't take weekends don't go out with friends don't do anything that is time not wasted like we were just we're extreme and i don't think everyone needs to do that but it was a pretty extreme dedication and time commitment Mm -hmm. so the favorite part was just meeting all the people at every show like we talked to i don't know thousands of people (laughs) at shows and a lot of people would come in you know bug-eyed and just um cloud nine just loving life and it was mm-hmm. like awesome to see them and then we'd see them at the next show the following weekend hey, in another city yeah. or you know so we just made friends with people who are also like they were doing the festival tour but they were mm-hmm. they were festivaling or you know one year we'd be in arizona and then the next year at, at uh you know at that next festival um like gold rush or something <laughs> we'd see we'd see the same people so i think that was the awesome part about festivals um bad part about festivals was just being a vendor you don't you're you're a, you're not you're not the main event you know the the event producers in our experience and we did you know every insomniac show and a bunch of different shows of you know all over the place worked with a bunch of different people um the event producers don't look at vendors and think oh how can we put them in the very best spot to help them grow their brands they think, yeah. okay, where's the like dead space that we can just like toss our vendor village and like call it a day. And I understand that from their perspective, I get it. It's not something that they're focused on. It's and, so, and, and to their credit, some of them became more focused over time and really were trying to get better, but it's just like a value misalignment without the right liaison between the event companies and the vendors. It's just it's hard. You, if you're 20 yards back 
from the vendor from the walkway that gets everybody and you just put all of this money into my by the way some event some events cost five grand ten grand just you know 15 grand to, to vend at oh well um, I, I didn't know you had to pay for these yeah 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 i have to pay a oh, lot you have to pay it? a lot especially for the bigger shows but um you know hey you, you can make the money back yeah. but it's so risky when you do that and then you show up and it's like wait we're not in a good spot like everyone's over there like mm. stage one is there stage two is there people walk from stage one to stage two we're over in the boonies people you know yeah. so so that that would sum it up that was the that was the challenging part and ultimately why we ended up uh, transitioning out of music festivals uh because we couldn't um we didn't have control over where we were being placed and that's why e-commerce ended up being the answer for us nice that's yeah. cool good to know i had no idea i thought you just applied to be in a vendor and you just show up but you actually got to pay that makes sense though yeah some i mean yeah most of them make you pay so for sure how do you set yourself apart from other EDM festival fashion brands? Um, I think for us, it's it, it comes down to products and process. You know, at our core, we're a micro factory and a micro factory just means that essentially all of your production processes are under one roof and we're able to respond to customer demand in real time without compromising, you know, ethics. Uh, an example would be, um, you know, we could, we could sell our clothes, we could buy finished goods from overseas or from other manufacturers, get them, put our packaging on them or white label them and have our packaging apply or, you know, our packaging applied and have it shipped over and you know put some markup on it because we think our brand value is x and we we attach a markup and then we sell it to the customer and like that kind of business is there's nothing wrong with it inherently like you're you know you're providing a service you're buying things in bulk and then you are making money as you sell those individual units to the to those people like there's a service and there is a role in that and for us like i wouldn't i wouldn't work seven days a week you know consistently all the time just you know in, in service of our customers the way that we are if that was my master plan if it was to just flip products because that's it doesn't get me revved up it doesn't it doesn't juice me <laughs> it doesn't get me going you know <laughs> so I think if you compare what we do to other brands, and I don't think just, I don't want to say like festival brands, like let's just talk about apparel, just apparel brands. Yeah. What we do is we are the makers of the products who are focused on understanding the process from the garment construction so that it stretches appropriately in the right places utilizing and investing in technologies that can help us understand and stay up to date with the latest and greatest in apparel manufacturing and then investing in the machines that can execute consistency so that when our customers buy our products they're like well it's just like the last one i got in terms of quality but there's still areas that can be improved right there's pro if you buy a product from us in a small and it's a reflective material and you buy a fabric in us. that's just like our AM sole, you know, something that's um, on our recycled materials. That's not the reflective. So it doesn't have that holographic foil on top of it. Mm -hmm. this, the stretch changes um, the fabric, even though the, the, the laser cutter is literally cutting the exact same piece. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. the sewing machine operator is doing the exact same steps to you know construct the garment nothing fundamentally has changed about the product but when you wear that small if you were a little like if you were like between an extra small to a small or a small to a medium it might affect you because now you're feeling like it's not really that comfortable right mm-hmm. and that the, that brought us to you know like now we offer free exchanges on the website and we introduce things like instant exchanges so that we can make up for those areas where like our technology and the products that we offer haven't fully aligned with people being able to know okay this product is going to work exactly all the time but we're getting there and uh, you know and we're trying to work on our size chart and the videos that people see on the product pages to know like okay this is how this one fits and just educating people and i hope that if anyone is a customer frw customer listening that they uh understand some of the variance that happens in the fabric and don't think that it's something that we're you know unaware of it's just something that uh you know we we have to learn to adapt to as we offer, you know, various types of products. Yeah. And that makes sense because all materials different. They breathe differently and fit on, you know, my body, everyone's body differently. So if you're having something polyester compared to spandex, like it's just going to fit differently. Like you may need to size up or size down for sure. That makes sense. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know where we rank on the scale of, you know, I mean, we're still a small business, um, but we're we're trying to offer exceptional quality that that is noticeable by touch and when you see you know you see it you know it like if you grab a product and you pull it out of the bag and you're like whoa this is nice that's what we're going after and i think that's what you know that's what i hope sets us apart from other brands is the quality of the product and the experience i don't i don't really want our our brand to uh be a, be attached to things that aren't in our wheelhouse we're experts at making really awesome products you know mm-hmm. and i want people to evaluate us for how well we serve our customers in producing those products so i i, I hope that's what sets us apart i mean then there's things like our ambassador community which is you know almost 500 strong now just epic festival goers that love fashion and are on social media and just like crush life every day. Like, so shout out to the FR dub fam because you know, they're doing it. Um, and they're how people see our brand. So it's like, you know, they, they are the external shell to what, uh, FRW products are. And I think together we have a symbiotic relationship that, you know, produces, uh, you know, that produces the business that can help shape apparel manufacturing going forward. So, you know, they, they believe in us and we believe in them and we're like working together to make festival fashion better. Yes. I'm so grateful and thankful to be a part of the ambassador team. You're the only company that's ever like the actual owners being like, Hey, like, let's set up like a 10, 15 minute meeting. Like, how are you doing? Like, I really want to get to know you. So I appreciate you for taking the time to actually get to know, you know, your ambassadors. It means a lot to us. So thank you. For sure. I'm happy to do it. And, you know, our, my cell phone number is the support lump number for FRW. So when people <laughs> have funny. issues, like it goes straight to my cell phone. I have it on all the time. I mean, I put it on mute while we're on this podcast, but I am available to people, you know, and I, I really appreciate it when they, when they reach out and talk and chat things out or ask, ask questions about how they want to start their businesses or, you know, bring up issues with our products. You know, I, that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, to help people with 
whatever they need as it relates to our business. So yeah. well, thank you. We love you for that. I want to talk about um, team members because I, I even yeah. today texted you a couple questions. Um, so how many team members do you guys have? I know you just started with you two, but what's the full squad now? <laughs> Yeah. So it was, uh, it was just, it was just Alyssa and I, Barkley would be upset. Our dog, he, he needs to be credited as well. Cause he's been around for the journey. Um, we cut back to six people during the pandemic. Uh, we are back up to 10 now oh, and yeah, okay. we are looking to hire more people. So, um, I have, you know, job postings that are going out. I can send you the links too, so you can share it with your audience for anybody that wants to apply. Please, um, yeah. You know, this is obviously like all predicated on us not going back into some sort of pandemic know, issue yeah. with with Delta variant and other things. I'm sure other variants that'll come. So fingers crossed that we can you know keep doing the festivals. But if it's not festivals, we're, we're, we have other things that we're working on, too. So, um, yeah, the team's an awesome group of people that are just passionate about what we do experts in their own crafts and then the people who are new that we bring in we just try to get them up to speed as quickly as possible um in it's interesting like so from like a hiring philosophy i am really focused on what it is that people want to do so if i look if i you know i don't this is going to sound weird but i don't really care what someone's resume is to an extent you know obviously i want to i want to hire competent and skilled people mm -hmm. but energy and passion and excitement and enthusiasm I'm, I'm willing to give people so much of a chance like i it's just the way that i want the world to work and um i think you know for for hiring we ask people like what what is it that you want to do you know how what, what are the things that you like and if we have a space for someone then we will plug them in there i don't and if they don't like that after a while then i want them to tell me you know hey like i thought this would be fun but i don't really like it can we try something else and i, I view that as part of that journey again through the core values of like learning how to express yourself and how to be confident it's really hard to be confident in something when it's not something you like doing and that ultimately is going to have negative long-term impacts on their personal relationships you know their life and earning income like people need to be confident so start doing things that you're good at things that you like and find people that can support that so that's what we're all about and that's what we've been you know working on and obviously the pandemic was not ideal but yeah it's an awesome team yeah i'm definitely let me know. I'll put the link in the show notes, but I might apply for something. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think there's like, you know, if you, th if you think about and organizations come down to people, you know, mm -hmm. when you are capable of attracting the right talent and focusing on a, a vision that has clarity and that people can understand, you can move mountains, but you know, as, as a leader, you have to, you have to paint that picture, but you also have to understand that other people and your team members, like their, their needs change, you know? And if you yeah, can't adapt, sure. yeah, if you can't adapt to the changing needs of your team, how, why should they be expected to adapt to the changing needs of a business? It's a two-way street. You got to give the support to get the support. Yeah. When did you know that you needed help, that you guys needed to hire someone? And who was your first hire? 
Well, we always needed sewing machine operators, and we still do. So, if you know, <laughs> if you know a pro sewing machine operator, tell them to reach out. Um, so, how I know that we need more sewing machine operators, we didn't have the ability to fill our product uh, orders when we were doing the festivals. Our online store started to grow in 2017. Well, we started the online store in 2016, and about a year and a half into that, so middle of 2017, we hit this wall where Alyssa was sewing like nonstop all day. I mean, I'm talking like she would wake up, she would sew all day until her eyes couldn't handle it, and then she would go to sleep. We were traveling to shows, and she we would turn the generator on in the trailer, and she would be sewing as we're driving. She would be sewing in the back Aww. of the truck as we're going from Texas to Florida and you know what wherever. So that just wasn't sustainable and honestly yeah, she needed a break <laughs> she needed a break but we also we we just were really we really struggled finding manufacturers that could make things the way we the way that Alyssa wanted them you know Alyssa is she's she's a she's a picky bear when it comes to the product quality and you know i think if she was if she was you know able to speak right now she would just say that like it's that desire to have such um, such control over the production process that pushed us into like wanting to do manufacturing you know we weren't going to send our stuff to be made overseas i didn't like the idea of exploiting labor i didn't want to be able to be like you know cool i'm paying someone 20 cents to make let's make something that i sell for 40 bucks like that's just not right and yeah. you know the yeah so it was like all right what can we do here um for the other positions, those are determined by the needs of the team. A good example of this is, you know, recently I had a team member who mentioned that, you know, they were getting stretched too thin. They had too many uh, tasks and it's kind of a, a function of the, the pandemic and just a lot of people needing to do a lot of things. And when I heard that, um, I did like just worked immediately to cut back on what the focus was, minimize the amount of the scope and let them start to feel that reward of, okay, now I'm going to get deeper into my subject matter instead of going from one fire to another fire to another fire across disciplines. And that's, yeah. that's, that's part of owning the business, right? That's part of running a business. I don't know it's necessarily a part of being an employee. I think it can be if you're an employee that's a certain personality type and probably you can sustain it for a certain while, but it, you start to lose your mind. I'm, I'm sure people can relate to that. You know, you, you really start to, to go crazy because it's like, I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much and it, and, it, yeah. and it impacts. So I think, you know, we determine it by what the team needs. What does the team need? And then from there, it's like, what do the customers need? We need the team to make the customers happy and we need the customers to give us information so that the team can work on things that the business can provide. So it's just, it's a symbiotic, you know, group. Good to know. I like that. That's cool. This is a question off the list because I need to know. So I'm looking to hire my first employee. And when yeah. you texted me, you're like employee or contractor. I had to Google it. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so I guess yeah. it could be an independent contractor. What would be the next step? Because I feel like when I get hired from a new job, I get like all this paperwork with like a W, I don't know, nine form and have this in my social um so how do you, what do I even send to my employee? I have interviews tomorrow, yep. but I don't even know what to do after that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, congratulations. <laughs> that's you. so, that's so exciting. And you know, I get like, that's part, that's part of it. You know, it's like, 
the the pressure of the interview tomorrow will force you to stay up late tonight studying and setting up your account so that you know exactly what to say and how to say it. So, you know, it's those commitments that help drive action for people who lack motivation in one space or another, or maybe don't know what to do. It's commit to something and uh, make it have consequences if you don't. And, and you'll start, you'll move, it'll put a fire under you. So for independent contractors and employees, um, and again, I'm not like an HR expert, but you have to, you know, learn some things along the way, mm -hmm. uh, back to strengths and weaknesses. I think the technology is in a space now where, uh, you can fill the gap really easily. So I recommended Gusto, mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple other uh, sort of all-in-one HR packages that are designed to help businesses as they scale. So whether you're starting out as a sole proprietor and you look to you know transition into you know an LLC and start hiring different people, there's there's resources there. So on Gusto, you'll set up your account. Once you set up the account, it's going to ask things like. Um, you know, do you want to provide any additional benefits or do you want to, you know, what sort of incentives? And mm, now okay. you have this platform that can onboard people. You can upload your documents like uh, your welcome packets or non-disclosure agreements and things like that. And then you can send those to the people as you look to hire them and send them offer letters. And all of the features are broken down on different pricing plans. So I would definitely go check it out, um, sign up for, I don't know if they have a trial or just, you know, we sign up. We did have, a, I think, 14-day yeah perfect sign up for the trial you know get started um it looks like one of those things where it's like ah, i don't know if i want to spend this money you want to spend money on compliance you want it they'll file all the payroll taxes they'll file everything that needs to be done mm, when it comes okay. to independent when it comes to independent contractors the independent contractor is responsible for the uh, taxes however you still want to have records of this stuff so i i would highly recommend getting into a system like that or prioritizing you know th this this is part of it if you're making money, you need to prioritize those things. It's like the same thing when we were building our business. It was like, well, okay, so we just made, you know, hey, we just got $5,000 from a festival that we, you know, that was profit. Well, what do we need? Well, we need another sewing machine, like buy the sewing machine, prioritize it. I could have gotten that five grand and gone and spent it on stuff. But instead I was like, I'm gonna build the infrastructure that I need because I know where I wanna go. And if you know you're gonna need a team, that's the thing. So it's all about process. Okay. It's about the way you think about these things, so. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'm, I'm I 100% agree like putting back in your business. I haven't spent a dime that I made in my business. I've just spent you know, um not at least not spending a dime like on my personal stuff. I'm just spending money going back in my coaching. Um if it's like I don't even know what I'm saying. Spending money back in my business even if it's with coaching or like getting like an email list yeah. or like doing something to learn about like funnels, like putting education. Yeah. But just really putting your money that you earn back into your business so you can grow it. Yeah. And such a fun time, you know, enjoy that whole process. So I had no idea where I was going to go when I was 23. I didn't know what we would be doing exactly. I couldn't see exactly what it what you know, what my days today would look like, but I just knew that if I did what made me happy, I would be in a good place. And I prioritized that over a check. I didn't care. I, I didn't, you know, my friends came out of college making a lot more money. You know, they started getting real jobs, doing real things. Uh, and I was, you know, going to music festivals. So it was like, I was able to kind of stomach that, that, that doubt, you know, that people were putting on, you know, what are you doing and translate it into something that now people recognize as like, oh, that's like impressive. You guys have this business. And for me, it's just, it's like, my identity is not the company. I do the company because it's, it's, it's a, 
it's a byproduct of who I am. It's not who I am. You know, that's, that's my, that's a creation mm. that I've put together. It's a piece of art. It's not me. And it's really difficult when people are critical online or say something that, you know, like is, is misconstrued or, you know, even if it's valid, it's just like a, criticism is hard to take. Mm -hmm. But if you are in a, a healthy enough headspace about what you, what your purpose is, you can just kind of brush those things off and just like stay, stay true North, like go and do what you need to do. You know, time will tell people 10 years from now, people will look and be like, Oh, well, look what they did. If they're for the people when I was 25, they're like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know what they're doing now, but I've got a nice business and an awesome team and a happy life and a happy wife. And I'm stoked. So I hope, I hope that, you know, you or other people and they look to build business or to you know network or build community or just, know excel at their job that they look at it with prioritizing them their happiness over a paycheck I, the great the great resignation is people waking up to this you know you've heard about the great resignation where you've got yeah. millennials you know leaving their jobs in droves because they're like i don't need it anymore like i don't want to work for your stupid paycheck and do this and i'm so happy that that's happening it's going to be a net positive for society because if you have a bunch of people who are now self-actualized, super stoked, passionate, doing the things that they love, or at least having the chance to do that, you know, society is going to benefit. Mm -hmm. Society does not benefit when you got people trapped doing stuff they don't like. Yes, 100% agree. And like how you mentioned that, like, you're not your business. I feel like as entrepreneurs, we get so involved and so sucked into what we're doing that our business, you know, we do become our business and we really don't know how to make time for ourselves and really be us. And we're, you know, we're so involved with our business. So I like how you said that is you really need to step away from your business sometimes and live just you and not always live through your business. Yeah. There's, there's, um, there's a really interesting concept oh i guess it's a it's, a, it's like a warning but it's a thought at the same time <laughs> if you are or you identify as a creative it, back to the strengths and weaknesses knowing what you're good at you know uh, knowing what you're bad at if you identify as a creative and you are looking to be uh you know run your own business a small agency of any you just need to be aware that as a creative and this is my experience from what i've seen it is going to be much harder to separate your identity from what you do because you're creating something that is inherently part of you. And now it, and it's rep represented and manifested in, in our three-dimensional space that someone else can see. And now it's being criticized. So you feel bad. You have to find a way to either a learn the skill of not caring what people think and knowing your true North or B you have to recognize that when those things happen, you've got to find support. You got to find like, okay, a bomb just went off. Someone's criticized me. I don't feel good. I need to go and find someone that can support me through this because it's, it's not something you ever as a creative, I'm not speaking for all creatives, but like, I, it is something that will always be hard because they're criticizing your work. And that work was deeply personal. Mm -hmm. I don't care at all. If someone complains about what I'm doing or the brand, if it's not founded in what my true north or reality is because i one can't please everybody and two i'm doing the best i can and if someone wants to do better by all means jump in there's a lot of music festivals and a lot of people making clothes like join the party you know it's not gonna it's not gonna change my identity 
because the brand is being doing great. That also, it's not just criticism. If the brand is doing awesome, that doesn't mean I'm awesome, right? If they're separate. Mm -hmm. the, the brand, I love that. Mm -hmm, yeah, sure. the the brand is a the brand is the product of so many people coming together, including our customers. So like, why am I taking credit for that? You know, stay grounded, you know, find sad guru stuff, find, find your center, you know, don't, uh, don't let the, the, the need or want for validation about what you are doing drive an ultimate connection, uh, like a connection that is dependent on other people you can't control that and and i don't know it's just for me i've steered clear of it i'm sure other people have managed it but you know i speak for myself when i say this and i put that out just if you're creative and you feel like extra emotional at times when you wake work find support you know don't bottle that up and don't start hating yourself because you're you're perfectly fine the way you are and uh yeah so those are my thoughts I agree. You are fine, baby girl, baby boy. How you <laughs> are, just keep pushing it through. You'll survive for sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about sustainability. Um, so what is even that? That's a good question. Um, it's a good question. I think it's, well, so broadly speaking, it's many things to many people. Okay. Uh, the, would you like me to speak on it as what I think the connotation is, the, the, the social zeitgeist and what they, what they might think it is, and then compare that to what we think, or do you want me to just say what we think? Cause I think there's, they're, they're different. <laughs> I would love to hear both opinions. So yeah. And thank you for saying opinion. Cause this is just me that you search sustain What is sustainability online? You're going to get a whole bunch of different answers from a bunch of different people and a bunch of different backgrounds. So uh, this is just my perspective, but I think socially speaking, like our, our, um, the buzzword that is now sustainability is a indicator of a goal. It is an indicator that there, there is the, implicit agreement that whoever is claiming the sustainability has a goal and that goal is to consider three stakeholders the planet the people and the business and so in its most like all in its purest form someone says we're doing something sustainably without the like doubt you would say i so now that i think that person has declared that they care about what their processes are doing for the planet. They care about what those processes are doing to the people involved in producing said product or service, and they care about the, the business. And in, and in those three spaces, you have um, obviously supply chains that connect all of those and, and different you know, considerations. But broadly speaking, that's the truest form of sustainability as a term, in my opinion. When you get to the criticisms of that, it's because there are a lot of people and brands and, and um, you know, just opportunists who recognize that there are people who truly care about resonating with that pure form. And they think that if they attach labels to those products, they can get a transaction out of somebody to be able to serve whatever selfish end they have. And I don't want to be someone who criticizes or blames other people for using a word. So should we use sustainability all the time? I know what it means to us. I know the investments that we've made 
you know, I've put my name to, you know, next to hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment where our business goes out, that's on me. Like I care about doing this stuff. So I don't need other people to tell me, oh, are you guys really sustainable? Are you really doing the best thing that you can do? Like that, I, I know I'm, I know we are doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. So, so for, for what that means to Freedom Raveware is different. I don't like the word sustainability internally because it's not something that we can measure against. It's not something that I can be like, hey, Alyssa, make that more sustainable. And she's looking yeah. at the laser cutter, right? And so what do we do? What, what does that mean? How does that, how does that turn into action? Mm -hmm. So we think of it from like a, a physics standpoint. You look at it from efficiency. I think efficiency is a better word and you'll start seeing us use efficiency more often, but we have to do things carefully as we try to adjust our, our perceptions of our uh, consumers, our customers, our audience to educate them on why we think it's valuable to start viewing sustainability as efficiency. And the efficiency that we can produce as a brand is fundamentally different than the efficiency of a small Etsy shop. Small Etsy shop is limited to doing certain things certain ways. They can go to Hobby Lobby, they can go to Michael's, they can go to uh, you know some store, local store, and do buy the, the, the materials they need. They are not producing those materials. They can't do, they have no input in the supply chain. They don't get to invest in the machinery. They don't get to do anything like that. Does that mean they're not being sustainable if they go to the store and they like make sure that they don't waste any products or any fabric and they're doing the best they can and they buy recycled mailers and you know they invest little by little to make progress? Like, Should we be critical of someone on Etsy who's saying, oh, they're not being sustainable? No, in the purest sense, if they care about people, planet, and the business, good for them, let's go. How do you tell if a business is doing the good things versus taking advantage or hopping on a trend? Mm -hmm. Ask them, <laughs> reach out, find out mm -hmm. what are they investing in? Do they make their <laughs> products? Where are their products coming from? You don't have to make your products to be sustainable. You could work with a manufacturer that's sustainable. What are they doing? How do they care? Where does the energy come from that's producing the products? What's their plan to make energy more sustainable or uh, access renewable resources, right? So there's so many things that go into this idea of sustainability. And, you know, we could talk about just that for hours and maybe we should at some point, but I, I, I just, I want people to know that for, for FRW, our vision is to be able to produce the most efficient garment production process on the planet possible that you hit the physical limits of what is possible, that we are leveraging technology to be able to optimize, you know, algorithms that optimize the fabric usage to make sure that there's as little waste as possible, ultimately being able to collect that waste, you know, break it back down, spin it up into other products. Those types of belief systems are what drive my desire to put my name next to another $100,000 loan for a machine, right? It's I want to learn how to do those things. Our team wants to be a part of creating those things. Our ambassadors want to support those things. So that's what sustainability is to Freedom Raveware. It's are we doing the freaking best we can right now? Also, pandemic made that really hard, just so you know. Because mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, sustainability is oftentimes, you know, it's, it's more expensive. And, uh, <laughs> you know, then you're, you're in a pandemic, you're a festival business. What are you doing? You know, so mm -hmm. now, now it goes down to values and priorities and, you know, 
literally sustaining the business. Mm. Um, anyway, any questions that come up off of that? I just, I, I gave you my full rant. I can keep going, but. Thank you for sharing. No, I appreciate that. You said, um, so plan it, your customers in the company. Correct. I think okay. those are the, those are the stakeholders that need to be considered when you're determining if something is going to be sustainable um, or deemed sustainable. Let's, mm. let's say efficient. Um, one more example. If you are producing a product that is great for the business, you're making great margins, you can sell a ton of them, people love it, but that thing is super big on the carbon emissions required to get that product there. Is it really sustainable? Like, mm. it, it technically could be argued that if you took the profits from that to then buy a machine that helped you now make that product more efficiently, you could argue that it's like a necessary evil you've done something to get the money to be able to then make the change. And I think we should allow space for businesses to do that because we have to be real about things require money. Yeah, technology is expensive. You have to buy things, yeah. and, uh, you know, scale. You can't just, um, you can't just like pull money off a tree. So we should give businesses the space to do that, but we should also hold them accountable to being the best that they can be. and. You know, hopefully, I hope that one day we'll be able to put our products next to any other company's products and have it be more sustainably made, less costly, and better for business. So that's what we believe. You know, we think that it's actually better for business if we can crack the code of making products as efficiently as possible. Yes. No, for sure. I'm manifesting that for you guys. I do want to talk Manifest. about... Manifest. Bring it together. <laughs> I do want to talk about being... Uh business with COVID and COVID is still out there strong. So how was it um, being a business based on social gatherings? Um, it was really challenging. Um, <laughs> it was challenge. It was a challenging year for everybody, right? There's, yeah. and I don't want woe is, woe is us. We, we went through hardship and a lot of other people went through hardship and we, it made us better and I hope it made a lot of other people better. You know, obviously it's uh, heartbreaking to know how many lives were lost and it's even it's more gut-wrenching to think, you know, what percent of that could have been saved if we had done things differently. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and now we just have to learn and grow and go forward and figure it out. So for our business, um, the worst part about it was having to tell people that they needed to, you know, find work elsewhere or to cut their hours. Um, that was the hardest part. And I, and I, <laughs> I put, um, I did everything I could to keep people as long as possible. And that was really hard. That was really hard. I hadn't been through something like that. They say, you know, for businesses, I remember I, I've seen a lot of like Gary V clips and he talks about like, I love Gary you're not v. crushing, this is before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, you know, if you're not crushing it now, like you haven't been through the the you know the Great Recession, like you haven't been through. It. Like if you're not crushing it now, you suck. Like you're 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 screwed. And we weren't crushing it before the pandemic, but we were we were starting to find a stride. We were getting good. And when that happened, just our business being illegal overnight, it was like all right, and we switched to masks. 
and everyone switched to masks and that helped generate some revenue and it helped yeah. us like you know stay afloat um longer but ultimately ultimately the diamond that was produced from the pressure the pressure of like can i pay this bill who do i how do i move this money over here mm -hmm. everyone knows everyone can relate to that the the diamond that was built was fabric punch the nice. clarity that was delivered was our vision on what we can do for brands and manufacturing and you know we've worked with over 500 brands now and i'm not sure if i mentioned that before but mm -hmm. on fabric punch helping them transition their businesses to more sustainable manufacturing in the united states you know it's not something that we go and talk about all the time on freedom ravework because we don't need the accolades the credit for it it's not something that is you know we need external validation for at least at this time although if you are a creator and you want to get custom fabric made please go to our website fabricpunch.com print some custom fabric set yourself apart do something different don't buy the same fabrics and you can print on all the same materials all the same high quality stuff we use that's open to the customer our customers on fabric punch so that scaling that out and thinking okay if we can serve 500 people with what we have now, how many how many brands could we serve if we scaled this up 2x? What if we went 5x? How many people could we move to recycled materials and producing in the US if we really focus on this? And that's that's the, that's the freaking cool part. That's why we wake up. That's why we do it cuz we just see it. We see a vision of a bunch of independent brands, a bunch of individuals who can connect through manufacturing that helps create the freedom that they want so that they don't have to do a job that they hate, you know, give them freedom. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it goes down to why we named the company Freedom Ravewear in the first place was I asked Alyssa, how do festivals make her feel? And she said, free. And then I said, what's a good search term? Ravewear, boom, Freedom Ravewear. Nice. Although it's really hard, it's really hard to say Ravewear because the R and the W. So just say FRW. We didn't think that out. We were at a music festival. We were having a good time. I like it. That's a good name. And I agree. Festivals also make me feel free. I like how you mentioned too, you know, the pressure making the diamond. And I heard this um, in the Gary V podcast that pressure, um, you either pressure breaks pipes or pressure makes diamonds. So whatever, you know, as an entrepreneur, nice. you're going to go through hard things you know, shit's going to hit the fan, but how are you going to take that pressure? Are you going to make into a beautiful diamond? Or are you just going to have your pipes break and then not do anything at all and get in your mind about it? Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, if you circle back to the like sustainability, because our focus then became, how can we help other brands do this? And then the focus was like, how, what can we do to make our process as efficient as possible? And it was, you know, the, in 2019, we had 0% of our products on recycled material. In 2020, it was all about 25%, depend, about 25%. And then, you know, so far for 2021, it's like well over 50% of our fabrics are, yeah. or of our products are now recycled. And which is sweet, you know, we're, we're trying to amp it up as much as you can. There's certain materials that you can't necessarily move to, but the whole supply chain is moving towards that. And it's good. Like it, it's rather, I would rather 
you know, plastic bottles turn into clothes, then plastic bottles go into ocean. Is it mm -hmm. ideal? No. But am I am I Exxon? No, I don't get to control how things are made. I'm not a material science engineer. I don't I don't know how to create materials differently. Like I'm hoping that the people that are passionate about that one day I wake up, I see a TED talk of someone being like, boom, check out this new thing. It's as functional as our previous spandex poly blends however this thing breaks down after blah 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 or this thing can be mm. you know i'm hoping that that scientific community can help us on the manufacturing side so that we can move forward but i said those things about the the sustainability and it's you know the made to order reduces the amount of um material Mm -hmm. it's a waste for sure yeah the, the waste because you don't overproduce you know something like 30 percent of all garments in the fast fashion industry are overproduced you know then they'd sell mm -hmm. it at some ridiculously low price and move on to the next thing it's like they didn't need to make that they did not need to make that there was not enough demand to justify the production so responding to on-demand uh production we don't wrap any of our product products in plastic uh you know that sit on, like in our in our drawers so because we make them it's not like we're not making them and then sending them into a place and then that facility sends it out and it needs to be protected mm. the way that we make all of our things here means that there's no bags on the products and then they're um you know you know using the recycled poly mailers or making things in the micro factory using water-based inks using our laser cutter like those optimization algorithms like pattern making software to cut down on the sample making waste like everything we can do is like we're now trying to get that to our fabric punch customers. So like that's business, that's what COVID did. COVID, COVID made us focus on what can we do to help others, which will help us. That was us responding, you know, like, well, festivals are closed. What do you do, right? Mm -hmm. I like that. You make something new and help other small businesses. So <laughs> I have a couple go. of wrap up questions for you. So what is the future of FRW and where do you see yourself in the future? uh frw just had a gap year okay it doesn't want <laughs> it doesn't know what it will it doesn't know what it wants long term yet it's just learning and having fun um i'll give frw a college gap year answer because it wasn't ever created with some ultimate goal in mind to you know build the company up and then sell it to something to you know wrap it into another business to sell you know, it, it was just made because i didn't want to go into corporate america and i wanted to be around Alyssa and help her support her creative energy and the the, the community that's built up around it they get to decide they get to decide what frw is so you know we we're if the community wants it to go left, it's going to go left. If they want it to go right, it's going to go right. We're going to do what the people want us to do while not compromising on our core values. As long as our core values are good, I'm chill with where we, where this rodeo goes. It'll be fun. Now, Fabric Punch, that's different. There's a very clear goal as to like scaling up the manufacturing and being able to serve a whole bunch of brands. So whether you have never made clothes before or you are a brand with thousands of customers that you can plug your business into our machines, our machines make your clothes like as sustainably as possible. Yes. No excuses. Anyone wanting to start a clothing line? We got you with Patrick Punch. So any advice yep. for new yep. business owners? Uh, start now, put the blinders on 
and be adaptable. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Are you going to say anything else? Sorry if I cut you off. No, that's all. That's all I had to say. And that's, and then, good luck. You know, <laughs> get ready for the ruckus and have some, have some fun doing it. You know, take the pressure off. Just enjoy. And God, I, it's weird. You know, I was in a, I'm in a much better place now, but. Man, I would give anything to go back to those days of 110 degree heat setting up at EDC Vegas and oh pulling gosh. our, you know, uh, buckets out of the truck and setting our clothes up and hanging them on the hangers and, you know, waiting as the, the gates open. And then as the people leave at the end of the 12 hour day and having to take everything down in the sweltering heat, like I, that was just fun. It was hard, but it was different and just enjoy it, you know, enjoy the process. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Enjoy the process and good luck. <laughs> like it. This is a question that I ask <laughs> yes. all. This is a question I ask all the guests. What does productivity meets party mean to you? How are you able to have fun and get all your stuff done? I think that productivity meets party is the intersection between the social construct that is the capitalist world we live in and the spiritual um it's a loaded word for some people but the identity of self that needs to be nurtured to grow across that development path of expression confidence love and community so where those things to find intersections is where it meets party um what it means to me is you're doing in my opinion the right prioritization balancing the realities of the world and you've got to pay yourself and eat food try to you know when you die leave the place a better place than you left it and party means just have fun you know and i guess how i was able to have fun and get everything done just start a rave brand <laughs> start a rave brand that's the definition of work and party <laughs> yes i love that thank you so much mike for coming on the podcast i've truly enjoyed just getting to know you more and i'm super excited to air this to the audience i know they will truly love the episode where can everyone find you i don't know if you want to drop your personal or just the business instagrams <laughs> okay so this is something that is yeah i'll, I'll drop obviously freedom raveware uh, at freedom raveware on instagram and tiktok the I don't have, I mean, I have a, an Instagram account. I don't post on it. I'm not active. I think I've posted maybe nine times in my life. So I don't share a lot of these things. I'm, I'm deeply introverted. It doesn't, you know, it, it's easy for me to speak to you in this moment, but I don't like sharing my day to day. It's not something that I feel natural doing all the time. I, you know, I hope to get better at it, but um, it's really, it's really uncomfortable for me to make social media posts when I'm like, I should be doing something else. Like I should yeah. go and do this. I should go into this. So I have to find a way to, to, I have to find a way to take, you know, nuggets of information and put them onto the social sphere so people can, you know, learn some of the things that we've learned along the way. So maybe I'll start doing more of that. But anyway, it's at Michael underscore Hodgen. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think I really appreciate the time and, you know, thanks for hearing me you know, blab on about this, that, and the other. We, we've got, um, you know, half of the FRW like founder base. And I think we need to do this again with Alyssa or just yeah. have you talk to Alyssa because her her insights and, and, and creative design is really what drives 
the business forward. Um, there's the, you know, I help, I help keep the wheel. I actually said this before, like, you know, I just try to keep the wheels on, like she's the motor moving along. And I just, I'm like, let's keep it on. Let's keep going in one direction. And so she would really appreciate some time with you. And yeah, I hope that people learned a few things and um, recognize that we're like, we're open. My cell phone number is our support number. Text me, call me. I am here. I can help. If you need an order shipped out faster, holler. I'll go grab it. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have you and Alyssa on. You would be like my first reoccurring guest besides my boyfriend. So that would be amazing. <laughs> nice. Good company. Yeah, well, I'll be more than happy to do that. And uh, yeah, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you guys love the podcast episode, I would love to know. Post it on your story. Tag the podcast Productivity Perry. Tag Freedom Rayware and share it to all your friends. It literally means the world. Thank you again for listening to the episode. You can save 10% if you go to the show notes um, to shop with Freedom Rayware. Look fresh. Look fresh with your boo. They got men tanks. They got men tanks now. Okay. Okay. So head to the show notes right now to save 10% on your next freshest look from Freedom Rayware. Thank you again, Mike, for coming on the podcast. Um, I know my listeners will truly um, learn so much um, just about you and Freedom Rayware and what it takes to run a successful business. All right, party squad. I will see you guys next Monday. Same time, same place. Love you guys.